The NFL's opening week was action-packed, and fans, it's just getting started. Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want even more action? Then get in on the experience, the thrill of the DraftKings early win promotion. It's simple. This Sunday, bet on any NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10, at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team ends up losing. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use that promo code AOD to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code AOD only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply if you or someone you know has a gambling problem. Crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, or Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona or 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado or New Hampshire. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 877-HOPE-NY in New York. OPGR.org in Oregon. Call text Tennessee Redline at 1-800-889-9789 or 1-888-532 to 3,500 in Virginia. Welcome to our GSP Ace of the Day segment presented by DraftKings. There's no denying yesterday's one and two overall record. That's beneath the standard we hold ourselves to here on this Ace of the Day show. That said, directionally, I feel pretty good about all of our thoughts from yesterday's segment. You look at some of the picks we left on the board. I said Simona Walter plus 135, Jensen Sung plus 165. Felt they were both well positioned to earned upsets today, each of them managing to do so at their respective events. I also was backing Aranxa Roos at minus 130. Should have pulled the trigger there as Roos did get the victory. And while we went one and two, Overall on the day, Botik van de Sinschkulp does cover his minus three and a half games. Zinevska does cover her money line against Bronzetti. Comfortable win from Martin Sova over Bjorklund as well. The only pick I really got very wrong on the day was Shelby Rogers. Shelby Rogers losing in straight sets to Bonaventure. Rogers just did not have her best tennis uh, throughout the course of today's action. And one would have thought, given she was playing on an indoor hard court, that those conditions would be ideal for her. Nevertheless, unfortunately, Shelby falling short in straight sets to Bonaventure. That's the only pick I feel like was a complete flop on the day. But again, directionally, you look at some of our thoughts we had. Shin Yu versus Haddad Maya going three sets. It ended up going exactly three sets over 21 and a half games in a match like Van Reithoven and Holger Runa. We knew things were going to be close between the two of them. Ended up being a 7-6-7-6 affair. And, you know, certainly, again, you can point to some of the other ones as well. I think Ann Lee, Claire Liu, they hit their over in terms of total games. Really should have hit the over two and a half sets. Claire Lou up for love in that second set, only to see Ann Lee race her way back and win the match in straights. But again, directionally felt pretty good about where what our thoughts were on yesterday's show. And 
you know, 24 hours later, having had the opportunity to watch the rest of the draw compete in their first matches of the week, to have 24 more hours to get my head around what these conditions are in each and every tour level event happening this week. I'm feeling pretty good heading into the next 24 hours of tennis. And certainly what I want to do on this show as we try to do each and every day is preview what those next 24 hours are going to look like. Not only do I want to offer you my picks for the day, and I've got three aces for all of you listeners on today's show, but I want to do what we always do, which is hop around the board, preview all five of this week's tour level events, and again, talk about what I think you need to watch as a tennis fan if you want to have the best grasp on what is happening over the course of the next 24 hours in the tennis world. With that said, as always, I'll do a deep dive into my ace of the day picks, talk about the numbers surrounding each of those picks, talk about the tactical advantages I see for the players I am selecting, of course. Then more broadly, again, I want to run through each of the five events, talk about each of the matches happening in singles at each of these tournaments over the next 24 hours. And Set the scene for all of you listeners as we are able to do now on this show via the resources, via the support we get from our friends at DraftKings. And look, if you're ready to get into the action, the DraftKings Sportsbook is the place to turn to. Not only will you find everything you're looking for from a tour level standpoint, but challengers, ITFs, you name it, the DraftKings Sportsbook has it. A massive shout out to our friends at DraftKings. We are immensely grateful for their continued support. But with that said... I think some of today's picks may be a blast from the past for all of you listeners. There's a group of about four to five players who ostensibly probably should be in their primes or near the tail ends of their primes who you look at their matchups tomorrow. I feel pretty good about each of them heading into those battles. So with that said, Time to make the case. Let's get into it. Here are my GSP aces of the day for the next 24 hours of play. Let's start with ace number one, a player who really should be in the prime of her career. And one could argue would be smack dab in her prime had injuries not slowed her down so much over the course of the past 18 months. Of course, I'm referring to Karolina Mukova, who has just not been able to play a full calendar of matches really for the past two and a half, three seasons. You look for Mukova, who of course reached a career high of number 19 in May of last season. She has played just 14 matches here in 2022, is seven and seven overall on the year. And, you know, just when it felt like she was regaining momentum, beating Maria Sakari and playing a really good first set against Amanda Nisimova at Roland Garros, she goes and re-injures herself in that Anissa Mova match as such is forced to be laborious and that's not the right word to take her time and slow things down in coming back during this North American hard court summer. You look for her was able to play a Concord 125K where she was forced to retire in the second round. Then ultimately tough draw for her at the U.S. Open as first round she takes on Ila Tomjanovic. That said, Mukova earned her most definitive victory of the season, a 6-love, 6-2 victory in round number one in Tallinn. And more than anything else, she looked fit, she looked healthy. And I think when we're watching Karolina Mukova, who, despite all the injuries, it's worth remembering, is still just 26 years old, you know, that's the key, 
is remembering she is just 26 years old is remembering the fact that you know she's not that far removed from being a top 20 player in the world you look for Mukova during the start of the 2021 season semi-finalist at the Australian Open quarter-finalist in Madrid when she was able to come back from injury of course you go all the way back to 2019 her last full injuryless season Mukova was 37 and 14 overall on the year. She won the title in Seoul, Korea to end that 2019 season. And obviously that year was a quarterfinalist at Wimbledon and, you know, uh, was able to find herself winning matches at the French Open, at the U.S. Open as well. Mukva belongs in that top 30, top 35 discussion. One of those players just in the mix alongside, you know, trajectory-wise, she was right there with Maria Sakkari, with Annette Conteve, maybe even a little bit further ahead than both of them, further ahead than another one of her peers in Own Shaber. And yet, again, the injuries over the past 24 months have done more to slow Karolina Mukova down than really anything we've seen from her on court. And that's why to see her play her first round match, to see her drop just two games in winning that first round match, six love, six two, I don't care if it was over a qualifier in Ponche, who is currently ranked outside the top 100, number 174 in the world. It was the sort of routine performance that just given all the injuries we've seen out of Mukova, she just hasn't had the opportunity to put together much over the course of the past two years. And again, if you watched Mukova at this year's French Open, you watched her level against Sakari, you watched her level in that first set of the third round against Anisa Mova, that looked like 2019 Karolina Mukova. In the second set against Ayla Tamjanovic, there were shades where you thought to yourself, okay, that's the Karolina Mukova we had all grown accustomed to as she was rising up the WTA Tour ranks. You know, you look for Mukova wild card into this week's event in Tallinn. She's taking on Victoria Golubic tomorrow, a qualifier who knocked out Madison Keys very impressively in her first round victory. You look for Golubic ultimately was a three and two win for her and Obviously, she earned a couple of impressive victories in qualifying as well. You look for the soon-to-be 30-year-old Victoria Golubic overall in this 2022 season. She's now 24-22 and 22 for the year, obviously, to have played 46 matches. She's significantly more calloused, but as such, significantly more match-tough likely than Karolina Mukova at this point. That said, I really like this matchup for Karolina Mukova. I do think her round one victory in Tallinn, and yeah, she was in control from the start and she was able to dictate given the game style of her particular opponent in that first round. But I just, you know, the the fact that Mukova made only 55% of her first serves yet faced just one break point throughout the course of the match and seemed to be striking the plus one ball on either the forehand or backhand wing. She was hitting that first strike so confidently. She was, you know, moving forward to the net soundly. Her footwork looked crisp. Uh, I thought she moved really well in and out of corners as well. I thought she was hitting the forehand freely on the run, which at times that's the side that can probably be the side that sprays on her more frequently than anything else. I was just thoroughly impressed by Karolina Mukova's 0-2 victory again. Not her best win from a ranking standpoint this season. That's obviously the win she had over Sakari, but her most definitive 
victory of the year, I would argue, and you know, perhaps most pressingly, she seemed to get through that match without any nicks, any bruises, just, you know, again, the sort of match she needs to start gaining more confidence and putting those wins under her belt. You look for the 26-year-old Mukova, you know, again, she's taking on Victoria Golubic tomorrow, according to our friends at Tennis Abstract. You look at the percent odds in that matchup, even despite missing all they're the majority of the past year and two years plus for Mukova. She's still a 68.4% favorite to knock out Golubic tomorrow. And, you know, for Mukova, who's someone loves to hit the big first serve, loves to press forward to the net, plenty comfortable playing the slices, the drop shots, and forcing you to play off speed. That's exactly what you need to do against Victoria Golubic, who wants to be swinging freely through that backhand with her feet set. And, of course, she's... I think the only player, no, one of two players with a one-handed backhand in the top 100 of the WTA rankings right now. It's her and Diane Perry. I just think for Mukova, the pace she's able to generate to play through that Golubic backhand and perhaps more importantly, her ability to spread the court and force Golubic to have to hit from the outer thirds as as opposed to Madison Keys, who... Yeah, probably has more firepower shot in, shot out than Mukova, but, you know, is a little bit more linear with that firepower. There's just more shape to the Mukova ball. She's able to spread you, in my opinion, a little bit more effectively. I just like this matchup for Mukova. And yeah, Golubic's got some weapons, that backhand, you know, the forehand in particular. She can fire off the ball when need be. She's a pretty solid mover in and out of the outer thirds herself. I just feel like, again, this is the week where we are starkly reminded, oh yeah, Karolina Mukova was a top 20 player the last time she was healthy. And I think that version of Mukova, I think we're getting closer and closer to that version of Mukova as such. I think she knocks out Victoria Golubic tomorrow. Now, you look at the money line between these two. As of right now, Karolina Mukova, minus 150 favorite. You know, again, if you just want to take her straight up to win, minus 150, you got to lay a little extra juice, but... That's not the worst. Like, minus 150 is pretty solid odds in terms of taking Mukova as a, what, 66% favorite, according to the Tennis Abstract singles forecast. And obviously, that's because she has only played 14 matches this year. But let's do the reverse side of that. She's only played 14 matches this year. If she's healthy, as the eye test seems to indicate she might be, she's got fresh legs. And she's maybe one of five players you can say that about in this point of the calendar. So give me a rejuvenated Mukova. Again, a little bit of a blast from the past. No, this isn't 2019, but I'll take Mukova minus two and a half games over Victoria Golubic for what it's worth between these two uh, so far in their career. Carolina Mukova 1-0 over Victoria Golubic. She ultimately, uh, I believe, beat her a couple of seasons ago, but yeah, I'm going to take Mukova. I'm going to take the game spread and the minus 115 on that game spread as opposed to the minus 150 money line. We'll take the extra 35 cents of value. We'll take the game spread. Mukova tomorrow minus two and a half games. You feel like she covers that even in a three-set victory, You know, certainly in a straight-set victory. I'm sorry. All due respect, I just don't see Mukova winning the match 7-6, seven 7-6. and six, seven six. I see it being more lopsided than that. I'll take Mukova. Minus two and a half games over Golubic, minus 115, half a unit to win 0.43. But not only am I picking that match, uh, I think that's one of your matches of the day because if Karolina Mukova is healthy once again, 
you just have to factor her into the next five years of WTA tour level events because, again, her skill set matches up well against anyone. Is she, is she someone who plays with the overwhelming plan A of the massive serve, the massive plus one forehand? No, there's not massive. You know, Carolina Mukova will never be a member of Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club. I know they're both Czech, and this isn't to typecast all Czech players. I see some Krachikova in the game of Karolina Mukova and that they're just both ruthlessly efficient in hitting their spots. They're also both, while not glaringly obvious exceptional athletes, they're both very, very athletic and neither lad lacks in speed nor strength. I'm taking Mukova tomorrow. Minus two and a half games over Victoria Golubic. Minus 115. We'll throw half a unit on that to win .43. That's ace of the day number one. Ace of the day number two. A little bit more going off of my gut than any of the metrics I see. But, folks, if you're not listening to your gut, let's be honest, you're just not doing this game correctly. My gut, my gut tells me Stevie J, Stevie Johnson, the greatest college, men's college tennis player of all time, my gut tells me he's going to knock out Radu Albot tomorrow in Seoul, Korea. And you look for Albot, who comes into this round of 16 match, riding a six-match win streak overall. He won the Challenger in Istanbul a couple of weeks ago, got a 3-4 and four win over Hiroki Maria early uh, in round number one of this event. You look for Albot, 35-25 and 25 overall this season. A lot of that success coming at the ATP Challenger level where, look, he's been shameless and saying, I need to go get matches under my belt. I need to go get victories. I need to get rankings points if at 30, you know, he turns 33 years old this November, he wants to stay inside the top 100, wants to keep competing at the slams, earning the biggest paychecks and having the opportunity to play at the biggest events as every tennis player aspires to do. Uh, Look, to do, Radu, hey, great shot there, no pun intended. He's been fine this year. You look for Elbot holding serve 77.9% of the time. That's, you know, not great, but it's not necessarily that far beneath his average for his career. And, you know, for Elbot at the ATP level in his career, he's been pretty efficient from a metric standpoint. Again, not a guy who's going to overwhelm you with his size, and yet you look for Albot. Held 72.6% of the time for his career at the ATP level. So again, more broadly that he's holding 77.9% of the time this season. That's fine. That said, you look for him in ATP level matches. He's 8-8 eight and eight this season, actually holding 79.6% of the time. That would be a career high if extended prorated, however you want to say it, for the course of a full year. That would be a career high for him in a single season. But I think you watch Albot play. He's a step slower than he was three, four, five years ago. I think you look at the, as such, the return of serve for him at his peak. You know, he was breaking serve over 23% of the time, which isn't making him an elite returner, but he was an above average returner. That return of serve is, I would say, what separated him from other lesser players on the ATP tour throughout the course of his career. And yet, you know, you look for Elbot with the diminishment of that first step, the fact that he has to go a little bit bigger on the serve now, thus he plays with a little less margins than he once did. Again, Elbot, probably the 85% version of himself. There's no doubt. I don't want to say no doubt the peak of his career has passed, but if he's still in his prime, it's the downslope of that prime. That said, he's taking on a fellow 32-year-old tomorrow. 
in Stevie Johnson. You look for Stevie J here in this 2022 season. It's definitely been an up and down year for him. He's 27 and 23 overall, has really picked things up towards the back half of the year, making third round of Wimbledon, quarterfinals Newport, quarterfinals Los Cabos, uh, you know, reaches the round of 16 in Winston-Salem, winning a couple of matches there as well. Look, I, you know, for Stevie, a 6-4 and four win in his first round match, which sounds like it was pretty close, but actually go watch his match against wildcard uh, Namji Sung. You could tell Johnson was in cruise control in that within the first three games, he kind of realized, all right, this guy's not going to break me at all throughout the course of this match. And you look for Stevie J. He dropped three points behind his first serve, winning 91% of his first serve points in that opening match. It was cruise control for Stevie in that six and four victory. And, you know, again, you look for Steve Johnson here this season actually holding serve 84.6% of the time, which, again, 0.7% above his career average. And yes, you should adjust for the level of competition, but for what it's worth, that 84.6 number would all you know would rank top 25 amongst the top 50 players on the ATP Tour. Now, the break percentage has fallen off a cliff. He's breaking serve 12.2% of the time. That's his lowest number since the 2013 season. For those of you curious, 2013, one of Stevie's first full seasons as a pro, you know, part of that is he's lost half a step. You know, with all due respect, I think three years ago, Stevie probably weighed 10 less pounds than he does right now. And by the way, he's 32, turning 33 years old in December. You're allowed to have, you know, your body composition fluctuate a little bit as you get older. And also three, four years ago, Stevie really rededicated himself physically and was at his fittest and was just extraordinarily trim in that moment. You know, again, it's uh, it's tough. It really is tough. Uh, looking at this matchup between these two players, two veterans, again, blast from the past in looking at this Stevie J versus Radu Elbot matchup. That's how you know it's late September because we're talking about these two facing off in the round of 16 of a 250. That said, I'm leaning Stevie J in this matchup. And you look between the two of them, one and two career head-to-head record. Now, they haven't played since the 2019 season. And obviously, both guys have you know, some things have changed for them over the past three years. Stevie, a win at Wimbledon over Elbot back in 2017. Elbot wins in Stockholm and Delray Beach over Stevie, the two times they've played on hard courts. As such, Redu Elbot, the slightest of favorites in this matchup, minus 110 to Stevie's minus 105. I just think that's wrong. Like, in a matchup where neither guy is playing particularly well, give me the guy who's got the biggest weapons on the court. And Stevie's serve and Stevie's forehand and his ability to get to the net are the single biggest weapons on the court. And I talked about the struggles Radu Elbot has had on serve. You know, if you don't have a big serve to pick on that Stevie Johnson backhand, if Stevie's just going to be able to find forehands freely throughout the course of a match, well, then he's still Steve freaking Johnson. And, you know, again, given how slice dependent he is on that backhand wing. The fact that he's been able to sustain himself in the top 100 and was able to be a top 50 player for as long as he was is a testament to just how developed that serve, that plus one forehand, that aggressive mentality, how well developed it is, how well it served him throughout the course of his career. And again, just given where Elbot's at, yeah, he served better of late, but I just don't know what he's going to do to pick on Stevie 
I feel like Stevie only goes to Korea. You know, again, Stevie is very selective in what tournaments he's playing now. Yeah, he still gets after it, but you know, he's not. He's not, he's not playing these events to tank. You know, he's not going to make the Asian swing if he's going out there to be like, eh, you know, round of 16 is good enough for me. No, I think Stevie is, play, are, is playing these events because he sees on the calendar, look, this is my opportunity to really solidify myself and knowing Stevie the way we do here at Cracked Rackets. We've been fortunate enough to have him on the show. Uh, his coach, Mark Lucero, someone we have the opportunity to speak with quite frequently. And Mark has been a bit of a mentor to me throughout the years. Point being... Stevie's not taking this trip lightly, you know, and Stevie is not a guy who wants to fall outside the top 100. He has said openly, as soon as I, you know, can't get into the slams, as soon as I can't play the biggest events, that's probably when he's going to hang up the sticks. And you look at where Stevie J is at right now in the rankings for Johnson, currently sitting at number 117 in the ATP rankings coming into the week. You look for him now with his uh, first round victory, I suppose, here in, um, in Seoul this week. He's had the opportunity to move up, up to number 110. Another victory gets him back up to number 105. Two more wins this week. He's back into the top 100 and perhaps most importantly solidifies himself direct entry into that 2023 Australian Open main draw. This is a massive moment for both guys because yes, Stevie's currently sitting at 110, but look, Radu Elbot's at number 90. He's also in the vomit zone from a ranking perspective. As such, I think this matchup matters a lot to both of these players. I think this is an opportune moment for each of them on the calendar. I'm going with the guy with the bigger weapons. Taking Stevie, his serve, his forehand, the two most reliable shots in this matchup. Give me Stevie. Yes, we could take him at the minus 105 money line just to straight up win the match. Let's take him plus half a game in this one over Radu Albot. Now, in typical Stevie fashion, I bet he wins 7-6-1-6-7-5 and wins the match. But actually then, you know what? I lied. We're making a quick on-the-fly adjustment. Stevie Johnson, we're taking him on the money line instead of on the game spread because, you know, again, the game, the money line is more valuable. So we'll take him just straight up on the money line. He's minus 105 tomorrow uh, taking on Radu Albot. Making an on-the-fly switch here so you may hear some typing. I apologize for that fact, but let's do it. And let's throw the half a unit I planned on throwing on the money line on his game spread as well. You throw half a unit on that minus 105 spread for Stevie J. Pretty nice yield uh, ultimately in return. We're going to take that half a unit to win what? 0.48 in return overall. Yeah, I feel pretty good. I feel pretty, pretty good uh, overall. Excuse me, 0.46 units in return. Um, Yeah. Let's lock that in. And I know that wasn't my best podcasting over these past 40 seconds. I apologize. That's called improvisation, folks. Give me the greatest college player of all time, Stevie J, minus 105 money line over Radu Albot, half a unit to win 0.46. Actually, as I'm recording, interesting, bumped up to minus 110. Is there a late Stevie push that I'm seeing? He was the underdog when I first looked at his money line to start today. I like that. I like that the sharp people are starting to move in on Stevie J because that makes me feel smarter about myself as well. So we'll just take the money line, minus 110 over Albot, half a unit to win 0.45. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. 
Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Last ace, going to go through this one fairly quickly. Give me Jung Shui, Belinda Bencic, and Lorenzo Sinego in a three-person parlay. Now, Jung Shui, as we've alluded to uh, on this on this show, but perhaps more importantly, as we've alluded to quite frequently over on the Mini Break podcast, the 33-year-old is playing the best tennis of her career. You look for Jung Shui this year. She's 23rd in the points race, which would be a career high for her. She's 26th right now in the live rankings, three off her career high of number 23. And you know, has played some outstanding tennis. The only reason she lost in Tokyo is because she ran into the buzzsaw that is Ludmilla Samsonova. But at 33 years old, Jung Shui has captured more victories this season at the tour level than any year prior in her career. She's holding serve over 70% of the time, which is the highest number of her career. The return numbers metrics have stayed constant as well. So she's the same as a returner, but better as a server here this year. And she's got a very uh, opportune matchup as she's taken on Kuzmova uh, tomorrow, according to our friends at Tennis Abstract. You look at the numbers, Jung Shui, a very, very comfortable favorite tomorrow, 74.5% against the qualifier. So give me Jung Shui, minus 475 on the money line. I'll throw her together with Belinda Bencic. Bencic, minus 425 money line against Katie Bolter. Bencic, your number two seed, a 24% chance to win the event, according to Tennis Abstract. That's the single highest number. Uh, excuse me, that makes her the favorite, according to the singles forecast in Tallinn this week. I mean, do I have a specific fact to point to? No, Bolter's played well coming through qualifying, got a good first-round win over Jacqueline Christian as well. But Benchich looked dominant in an 0-2 win over Malagina in her first-round victory. And indoor hardcore tennis has been where Belinda Benchich has always thrived. The quicker conditions, always going to suit someone who wants to take the ball early on the rise and play as aggressively as Benchich does. She's a top-five server here in this 2022 season. And very quietly, Belinda Benchich very much alive in the WTA points race. As you look right now for Belinda Benchich, she's currently sitting at 12th in the points race. She wins a title this week. Week, she will be 21 points behind eighth place Veronica Kudermatova with a shot at the year-end finals. Let's take Benchich, 25-year-old, minus 425 over again. The always dangerous Katie Bolter, but Bolter's not playing Carolina Pliskova tomorrow. Then that's her, you know, that's that's the Bolter Krypton, or that's, Bolter is Pliskova's kryptonite. I think Benchich is a completely different style of not completely different style of player. The point is, I'm just taking Belinda Bencic, minus 425 money line. And then we'll throw in Lorenzo Sinego once more, who I thought played today. Turns out he's playing over the next 24 hours instead. He's minus 300 against Zapata Morales. For Sinego, he's now had 48 hours to recover from his title run last week. And we're still in indoor hard courts, which with all due respect to Zapata Morales... Clay quarter through and through. I think his forehand's going to struggle in these quicker conditions against the pace of Sinego. So, pace, not paste, the pace of Sinego. So, give me Jung Shui, Belinda Bencic, Lorenzo Sinego, three person money line parlay, minus 101 odds on those money lines. We're going to throw a quarter of a unit on that to win 0.24 in return. That, folks, are your, th- those folks, I should say are your three aces of the day. Now, quickly, let's jump around the rest of the board because certainly tomorrow's matches in Tallinn 
going to be extraordinarily fun. And as of right now, Annette Contefe up in the third set. So we're going to assume she's going to advance. You look at just two still alive. I already mentioned Mukova Golubic. Bencic Bolter's really fun. Kuzmova Jung Shui. But Kaya Kanepi versus Yelena Ostapenko. Do you like power tennis? Because that's the one for you. And Ostapenko somehow a plus 145 underdog, despite the fact she's had a couple of days off since the sole final, despite the fact that you look according to uh, the odds, Ostapenko 60% chance to win according to the tennis abstract singles forecast. A lot of power tennis. Again, I think that's a wager that Ostapenko's transition from South Korea to Estonia this week going to go a little bit rougher than or I think they project it to go rougher than I think it will actually go. I'd take the over two and a half sets in that match, but you know I may also just kick my feet up and enjoy that one. That's certainly what I'm going to do in the Krachikova-Kostyuk match. Now, one could argue Kostyuk can do more things on the court than Krachikova. I'd argue Kostyuk's a little bit more explosive as an athlete. I'd argue she has a little bit higher upside in terms of how big she's able to hit the ball when she does have her feet planted. And just, again, Kostyuk's a special talent. I know talent is an arbitrary concept and, you know, talent only takes you so far. The rest has to be hard work. But, I mean, Krachikova probably played her best match of the season in her first round victory over Isla Tomjanovic in round number one here uh, in Tallinn. And, you know, Krachikova is not that far removed from being an unequivocal top 10 player in the world in singles, let alone all the double success she's had this year as well. That might be your match of the day, just straight up. Krachikova versus Kostyuk, uh, if it's not already, Ostapenko, Kanepi. And those are two very, very exciting matches where I'd certainly take the overs, whether in games or two and a half sets overall. And, uh, Again, you're looking at some of the second rounders we've already got set up. We're going to get a Haddad Maya Naskova matchup. I think that one's particularly fun. And Lee, a massive win over Claire Lou. She'll take on the winner of Kanepi Ostapenko. Yeah, the action in Tallinn. Going to be a very, very fun week there. And then certainly your other WTA event, the Red Clay of Parma. You've got. I believe coming up uh, tomorrow, or let's, I think tomorrow begins, yeah, the second round play. So uh, you look at some of the matchups, you know, again, it's tough because I, I don't think they've come out with the odds yet, but Zinevska Golfi, that, that's a fun contrast. Kavinich Stevens, I feel like that match is going to be a grind. Paulini Cochiaretto, that match will be a grind. Sharif Walter to 125K specialists. And then, you know, Maria Sakari, is she ever going to play well? Throughout the course of this 2022 season, if not well, is she ever going to play her best? Feels like we haven't seen it since, what, St. Petersburg in February. So certainly a chance tomorrow. She's 3-0 against her opponents, Aranxa Roos. But, you know, Roos can always be tricky. So certainly that's one to watch. And then, look, on the men's side, it's all going to be fun tomorrow. In particular, you look in Seoul, North North Korea, Jesus, in Seoul, South Korea, uh, Munarver Shapovalov. What are you know? How many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? How many backhands is Dennis Shapovalov going to make on any given day? Both questions that sadly I don't know if we'll ever have the answer to. How about Emilio Gomez? Still in pursuit, very very close to the top 100. He's a plus 190 underdog against Taro Daniel. Yeah, Gomez has played a ton of tennis of late, but. Guy's a physical specimen, so very much looking forward to that one. You've also got top seeds in action. Cam Nori taking on Uchida. Casper Ruud, I think it's a tricky matchup for him as he takes on former top 50 player Nicolas Yari. Yari, massive serve, massive forehand. He's going to hit both to that Casper Ruud backhand, and yes, 
Rude knows the game plan. He knows what to expect. But I don't care if you know it's coming. 140 miles per hour to your backhand return when you struggle with that backhand return. Uh, it's something to keep in mind as we have our eye on that one. And then, look, Fritz, minus 350, taking on Mackie McDonald. Those are two players who knows each other's game extraordinarily well. Fritz, 2-1 against Mackie in his career. But, again, two Californiers, Californians, uh, Mackie going to be happy to take Fritz's top spin and just drive through it and, you know, again, use that spin to keep his own ball down. That one's fun. I think for Sung Chun Sin, Alexander Kovacevic, uh, obviously a massive opportunity for both guys to make an ATP quarterfinal. Brooksby versus Kwan, that match has two and a half hours written all over it. Yeah, that's really, really good action in Korea moving forward. South Korea, I would like to emphasize. Seoul, South Korea moving forward. That's probably my favorite uh, slate uh, day of matches on the men's side. Of course, you've also got the action happening over in Sofia. You've got uh, plenty of seats kicking off their campaign tomorrow, whether it be Grigor Dimitrov. He'll get rocking and rolling against Ilya Ivashka. Ivashka, actually a slight favorite in that matchup right now. Interesting. Interesting thing to note. I already talked about Sinego Zapata Morales. You've got the big lefty Hoosler taking on a rising Frenchman in Blancano. Struff going to take on Dusan Lajevic. Lajevic a win today after, or excuse me, Lajevic was supposed to face Jack Draper, but Draper unfortunately pulling out of the event. You've got Baslashvili Avashka, Lazarov Musetti, my check versus Ota as well. That's your day of play in Sofia. And then last but not least, Action in Tel Aviv going to continue to rock and roll. You've got Manorino versus Constant Lestien, Tiago Montero versus Pablo Andahar. Perhaps some of you thinking, what is that match doing on a hard court and not a clay court? Your guess, as good as mine, but Sefillian versus Echeverry. Uh, Echeverry, really impressive three-set win. Just his fourth ATP Tour win today over Aslan Karatsev. Team versus Chilich. Again, talk about blasts from the past. Botic versus Liam Brody. The, the point being, folks, Lock in. These next 24 hours, as with every 24 hours, going to be an exciting time to be a tennis fan. With that said, again, your aces of the day for tomorrow's matches. Mukova, minus two and a half games over Golubic, minus 115, half a unit to win, 0.43. We'll take Stevie J, minus 110 money line. That's right, folks. An on-the-fly shift over Redu Elbot, half a unit to win, 0.45. And then three-person money line parlay. Jung Shui, Belinda Bencic, Lorenzo Sinego, minus 101, quarter of a unit to win, 0.24 in return. That, my friends, are your three. Those, my friends, I should say, if that's how you use grammar, are your three GSP aces of the day. Of course, we'll be back on the Mini Break Podcast to recap all the day's action. A shout out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f- of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. A shout out as well to our friends at DraftKings for their continued support. We are so excited to be able to do these daily preview podcasts for all of you listeners. And again, the reason we're able to because of the support we get from our friends at DK. With that said, for our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at DraftKings. From all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. May the odds be ever in your favor. Good luck, everyone. 